Good evening and welcome to the Journey Church. I am so glad you've joined us. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. We are continuing our series on the flesh and the spirit. And uh, I wrote a little review to kind of tell you where we were. We started this so oh, about the 5th of August of 2020, and it says the flesh and the spirit. We're studying Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26. And the order by which we've gone through this text was, uh, you know, which will we serve was the first sermon. Which will we serve, the flesh or the spirit? Then overcoming the conflict of the flesh and the spirit. Then we talked about the sin of moral impurity. We talked about idolatry and sorcery. Uh, we talked about hatred and contentions. We talked about jealousy and envy. And uh, last week we did outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. That, those, those, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven messages were just really in uh, Galatians 5, mm, 19 through 21. Uh, we just took those words apart. Well, today we're in, in uh, Galatians 5, 21 specifically, and we're going to talk about the sin of intemperance. The sin of intemperance, specifically drunkenness, rivalries, or revelries rather, and what Paul calls the like, the like. So we're in Galatians chapter 5. I want to begin in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, uh, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who are, who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So we have a we have some time tonight to spend on, on just a, a very brief review. Um, for several lessons we have focused basically on the works of the flesh, and tonight we're, we're done with that. Uh, we're, we're going to be finished with the works of the flesh. Uh, we have broken them up into a few categories. If you want to write these down, we've talked about sins of moral purity, which were adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. We talked about idolatry and sorcery. And then we talked about the last three weeks, the infractions of the law of love. The infractions of the law of love, we did that over three parts, discussing hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, and envy. Um, I don't know about you, but I just remember preparing those messages and then delivering them during our, our teaching time. They really opened some things up for me in the Scripture that I did not understand and really spoke to my heart. And uh, so I hope that, I hope you're blessed. And if, if you want to catch up, just, just go back. Those sermons are, are uh, 
are on our website at www.yourjourneyonline.com messages and you can find them there or our Facebook page which is at TJCGville and so uh, just uh, absorb those things they're they're totally practical and applicable to us the one we look at today is a little bit more uh, specific it is it is something that is you, t- you talk about a epidemic um, that that we're facing it it has to do with with drunkenness and so um, I, I want you to know that uh, I'm Paul here is specifically speaking about drunkenness being drunk he's he is not speaking about drinking, which I have very strong views about that, but he's, he's, he's speaking about drunkenness, and I want you to remember that is, that's the biblical word here, and so that's the one we're going to look at. Um, we're going to end their study of the works of the flesh, considering that uh, there are two sins specifically mentioned, as I've just been talking about. One is drunkenness and revelries which are classified as the sins of intemperance, intemperance, I-N-T-E-M-P-E-R-A-N-C-E, intemperance. Uh, Some of the oldest manuscripts do not include murder here, which probably would be best included in the infractions of the law of love. But if you'll look at the text in verse 21, it says, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Okay, well, we've already dealt with the murders and we put them in the infractions of the law of love, but uh, some might say, well, that's part of intemperance. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't really see the connection. Um, uh, so we're going to make an observation on the manner in which Paul concludes, though, and he says, and the likes, which are the works of the flesh. So we're going to begin with the sins of intemperance. So number one, the sins of intemperance, intemperance, uh, and I want to give you the Greek word for drunkenness. It's methe, M-E-T-H-E, methe, okay, means drunkenness. Now, let me tell you what the word means. It means the state of intoxication due to alcohol. It is a state of intoxication. So, we're talking about being intoxicated here. Um, uh, the state of intoxication due to alcohol, and the Bible speaks very, very strongly about being intoxicated. talks very strongly about drunkenness. So, let's begin with looking at a few Bible passages. Go over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, it says... But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater, a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Paul is telling believers to avoid folks, and he puts drunkenness in the same category as sexual immorality. Someone who is covetous is an idolater, which is a practicer of witchcraft and reviler. I cannot think of any sins more hot than than those, and he lumps them in with drunkenness. He doesn't want you to be around people that are drunkard, uh, that are drunkards. In verse in chapter six, verses nine and ten, look what he says. 
Do you not know that unrighteousness will not inherit, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, uh, yeah, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And now it's funny that folks will say they will inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul says, do you not know that they won't? So let's just let the Bible say what it has to say. And, you, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, you need to, you need to say it, you need to read it in its context. But uh, he, he's just talking about immorality is going to be judged. It's going to be judged. And so this word is a condemnation for, uh, for drunkenness. But if you go to Proverbs... If you go to Proverbs, you have warnings about the danger. Now listen, the danger of drinking. The danger of drinking. Look at Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whosoever is led astray by these, it is not wise. I'm, gonna, I'm going to tell you something. Um, having helped a lot of people that have problems with alcohol, um, Alcohol is kind of the gateway drug into other things, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But, but folks that come see me usually that, that are involved in alcohol, are, are there, there's nothing good that has come out of their life because of it. Um, it, it is masking a much deeper issue. And, and by the way, we deal with it with great mercy. We, we want to help people flourish. And uh, um, usually for them, that is, we've got to get rid of the, with the challenge they have with alcohol. And uh, it's amazing the folks that have come to the other side of the issue that have had, you know, drinking problems and they just, their, their quality of life has so much improved. They're, and so I just want you to understand, we, we have a real ministry for folks that, that struggle with alcohol. We, we take a great joy that the Lord has given us this ministry. And if you need help, you know, just reach out, james at yourjourneyonline.com. Um, we're here to help. We're here to magnify Christ through ministering to people. And, and we don't shame folks. We, we help them where they're at and we try to take them. But Bible just says that it's not wise. And uh, I'm going to tell you from my years of experience dealing with folks that, that struggle with it, the Bible's right. It's, it's not wise. It's tough. And so, uh, but I, I want to read another warning to you, Proverbs 23, and this one's rather long, beginning in verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long over wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine do not look on wine that when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it bites you like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea and like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, I ha but I was not hurt. They have beat me, but I did not feel it. When, I, when shall I awake that I may seek another drink? <clears throat> so you have the condemnation of drunkenness and the warning against drinking. 
Okay, so so I'm I don't think there I don't think I can add to anything to that. Uh, the level of alcohol, though, in the modern-day alcoholic beverage makes it difficult to distinguish between the two, uh, between strong drink and, and wine and, and so forth. Uh, the levels of alcohol are much higher today to advanced distilling techniques, and some of the strongest drinks in the past were not much stronger than our mild beers today, uh, thus making it much easier to get drunk today. Uh, so, you know, um, in ancient Greek there was very little drunkenness uh, for the normal practice was to dilute two parts of wine with three parts of water. Uh, um, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that. Um, the Christian is also bound by the principle of influence. Um, Romans chapter 14. Um, Romans 14, look at it. I'll get there. You might have already beat me to it. Romans 14. Long, another passage. I want you to mark it well. Verses 13 through 21. It says this, Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. I know that, and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in and of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food what, the one whom Christ died. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Um, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which edify one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but if it is evil to a man who eats with offense, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. This, this is why I don't consume beverage alcohol. Um, it, it just, one, I, I, I don't like it, I don't want it, and uh, it's inconsistent with the ministry I have of helping people with it because they, if I started doing it, I might wind up in a place I don't want to be, probably like many of the folks that I have ministered to and love and cared for during coming out of alcoholism or drunkenness. You know, they, they didn't get out of bed one day to, to wind up like that sitting in my office uh, dealing with it because there's a legal problem. So it, it's, you know, for me it's just not a doable deal. Um, and I'm okay with that. I, I am. Uh, so I hope you are too. And uh, some, would, some would say, well, you have liberty. I don't have liberty. I, I disagree with my brothers that say that I have liberty. I have, a resp I have responsibility. My responsibility trumps my liberty. As a minister of the gospel, I, I do enough that, that <laughs> impacts people in a way that may not be Christ-honoring. This one is easy for me not to do. And so uh, I don't need any more help to... to uh, I, I just, I just, 
see it as unwise. And so, um, should Christians engage in the activity of social drinking that contributes to a number, I'm going to tell you something, it contributes to the number one cause of, of uh, the number one drug problem in America. One out of nine Americans is an alcoholic. Did you know that? One out of nine Americans are an alcoholic, and probably nine out of ten of those would deny it. <laughs> the senseless killing of 25,000 innocent victims a year because of alcoholism, half all are driving-related accidents involving alcohol or under the influence of alcohol. Um, it is believed to be at the cause of 25% of divorce, 25% of divorce. Uh, which, you know, in Malachi 2.16, God says He hates divorce, and He hates it because it destroys people's lives. It, it hurts them. He loves the people. He loves divorced people. But, man, it destroys families. One out of four divorces um, are caused by alcoholism. Okay? So the responsibility of the Christian regarding the influence is clear. Um, only the insensitive and the selfish Christian would try to justify engaging in, in social drinking today. And I know that sounds hard, and that's why I'm trying to handle this so, so kindly, uh, you know, and so gently because I, you know, I, I know people, and I know people that struggle with them and struggle with it, and, and because they have this problem, I don't, I don't dislike them or dislove them, but it is a problem. And uh, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 through 33. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jew or the Greek or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but, to pro but the profit of many that they may be saved. Friend, I, 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 I live by a simple rule, when in doubt, don't. And if you don't think you ought to be doing it, then don't start doing it. Uh, because it's a whole lot harder to stop than it is to start. Um, and so only, I, I'm just going to say this, and, and I believe it when I wrote it, only the insensitive and the selfish Christian would try to justify engaging in social drinking today. Um, and there it is. You, you, as I say, eat the meat and spit out the bones. You know, if you don't agree, then you don't agree. But um, the mature Christian considers whether the practice glorifies God. That, that's just the truth. The mature Christian says, does this glorify God and benefit his fellow man or her fellow man? Okay, so the next word is uh, revelries, re uh, reveling and carousing. That's the word comos. K-O-M-O-S, comos. The word refers to feasts and drinking parties that were often extended till late at night and indulge in revelry. Such behavior is condemned not only here, but also in Romans 13. If you, you should still be there. Romans 13 verse 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, I'm sorry, that's verse 13. Yeah, that's right. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face, and now in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known, and now abide faith, hope, love. These three, the greatest things are these. Oh, friends, I'm sorry, that was 1 Corinthians 13. Let me go over to Romans. I, I knew that didn't sound right. Sorry about that. Romans 13. <laughs> Silly man. Romans 13, thank you for understanding 
Okay, Romans 13, beginning verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, nor lewdness or lust, nor strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision of the flesh to fulfill its lust. I mean, there is your biblical text about these things. And say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about this or that. Concerning this issue, there it is. You mark that well. There's your issue. There's your biblical text. It says, put it off. Okay? All right. So, the modern day form of sin would include what goes on down in Mardi Gras in New Orleans or New Year's Eve parties that you see on TV. Uh, I, I know one man that, that's an industrialist. He does Christmas parties. And when he, uh, um, he, he uh, has his Christmas parties, <clears throat> if I understand it correctly, um, he does it at a hotel and he buys everybody a hotel room that night and so that no one leave, leaves. Um, Christmas parties are that way, music concerts, football games, you know, athletic events, you name it. It does not require too much wisdom to see why such behavior is, is condemned. How many friendships, marriages have been destroyed by unrestrained behavior that goes in, into such functions. Even the innocent can often get caught up in the excitement and sometimes it's the ruin for the rest of their life. First uh, Peter uh, 4, 3-4 states that, that, that such a behavior as a Christian is unbecoming. Um, the world thinks it's strange for, that they think we are strange for not engaging in such things, but I'm going to tell you something, God thinks it's strange for us to engage in such things. So who, you know, who's judging you? Uh, or who is the final arbiter? So the, the world may think of strangers because we refrain from such things as drunkenness and revelries, but Peter goes on to say that all will have to give an account uh, to God who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That's again in 1 Peter 4, 4 through 5. It's in this view of the judgment that prompts Christians to take the works of the flesh seriously. Um, we're going to have to give an account for it. And so we should take these works of the flesh seriously and not just those specifically mentioned here in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, but as Paul goes on to say, number two, and the like. What's he talking about here in verse 21? He says, and the like. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like. What is and the like? Well, there's an implication. Uh, implications of concluding his list in this way, his list is not to be taken as all-inclusive. So it's not to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to read what the works of the flesh are, and if I'm not doing any of that, then I'm not living in the flesh. That would, that would not be intellectually honest. Um, that's why he uses the term, and the like. Uh, the sins listed are to give us a basic idea of the kind of things we are to avoid, and we must apply discernment to the activities which may not be specifically condemned in the Scripture. Many people want to, want to, that want a thou shalt not, okay, uh, for anything to be wrong. But the Bible does not list everything that is wrong. It, it doesn't. It lists enough. But it doesn't list everything that is wrong. If it did, you'd, you'd have to carry the Bible around probably in a wheelbarrow. And so... Uh, uh, instead, we're given the basic principles, 
and uh, of conduct with some specific examples that illustrate such principles. So we're expected to exercise discernment concerning um, good and evil using the principles found in Scripture. Just go over here with me real quickly to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have some, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I would, I would be hard-pressed to take someone seriously that could, could tell me what is so good about drunkenness and rivalries, revelries. And, and I would be hard-pressed to take someone seriously um, if, if they said the same, if they could find something good to say about drinking. Um, I mean, I just, I just would. Maybe that's a deficiency in myself. But I think it's also has something in it. Some say, well, it's because of your denominational background. No, that doesn't have anything to do with it. I was raised around it. I mean, my, I, wasn't, I, mean I spent more time at home and at the lake around this stuff than the denomination I went to. All the years I went to seminary doesn't add up to the time I spent around people drinking alcohol. And uh, so... Um, the rea I mean, I, I can't get away from it, seems like, um, either side of it. But the reality I want you to understand is, is that I'm where I'm at because I take this seriously. I take the Word of God seriously. And as a man who teaches people uh, called of God to do so, it's important for me to discern good and evil. And, you know, I don't, I, I just hope that's where you get I hope that's where you are. And if you're farther along, if you've got some better answers, give me a holler because uh, I want to learn. Uh, I want to learn. So determining things that are like sins, like these sins. Let's, let's just finish up. Today we're forced with issues that may not be specifically mentioned in the Bible. Questions related to uh, uh, dancing, uh, drugs, movies, music. How about smoking? Uh, television programs, etc. Um, the Bible doesn't talk specifically about speeding. Uh, it doesn't talk about abortion. Uh, it doesn't say anything about chewing your food with your mouth open. Um, you know, it, it, is, it, it, it doesn't say a lot about those things, but it does give us principles by which to live. And so, um, how, how do I know when something is not specifically addressed? Is it right or wrong? And then, and then specifically, I want to ask that, how do you know it's right or wrong in an age of, uh, of postmodernism that says there is no absolute truth? It's okay for you to do it as long as you don't make me do it. And it's okay for me to do something as long as I don't make you do it. That is the, that is the soup de jour, so to speak. That is the... That is the way many people live uh, their life. It's like, I don't, I'm not going to interfere with what you're doing. 
I don't care if you, you get drunk or not, someone might say, just, just don't make me do it, or vice versa. You know, and so the reality is, is that how do you know if it's right or wrong? Well, one helpful way is to compare the activity in question to the verses we've been spending the last eight weeks on. Go back to Galatians 5. Go back to Galatians 5. Look what he says. Here's what you do. You compare it to the activities in these two lists. All right? The first one is, is adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That's the first list. We've spent a ton of time on that. Here's the second list, verse 22. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. So what you might want to do is write these lists down. Put them in the flyleaf of your Bible. Put them in your notebook in your pocket. Put them in your, your wallet. Put them on your home screen of your, your uh, smartphone. Put on a post-it note. You're trying to wonder, if, if you're trying to figure out if something's right or wrong, to discern it's right or wrong, compare it to the two lists and figure out which list would it go into. And that's going to give you a biblical answer to what you're looking for. It's very, that's, this is the application of, of, of walking in the flesh versus the spirit and walking in the spirit versus the flesh. So if, the, if it's active like the works of the flesh then it's wrong. Or if it's like the fruit of the Spirit, then it's right. Okay? And so the, the better we understand the works of the flesh and what constitutes the fruit of the Spirit, which is coming, the better we're going to be able to make, we're going to be able to make decisions conducting our godly living. So the reality is that this just kind of strikes me here. People look at the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh as things to avoid or things to have, and the reality of it is their roadmap on how to make decisions of right and wrong. Did you ever think of it that way? Their roadmap of how to make a decision if something's right or wrong. Compare it to the list. Is it a work of the flesh or is it a work of the Spirit? Which, which of your decisions is most like one of the two? It can, and if, it's, if you cannot conclude that it's a work of the Spirit, then it is certainly a work of the flesh. Okay. And if you're in doubt, put it in the work of the flesh, okay? Because there's no, there's no point in, in, in being wrong about it, okay? And uh, so in conclusion, it's been our purpose so far in this study to learn the sort of things that constitute the work of the flesh so that we know what to avoid. Uh, we remember what Paul has said. He says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what he says, and that's what he means whether it is one of those things specifically listed or something such like them, the consequences are devastating. Okay? And so, a last note, the used word practice in the above verse implies Paul is warning against those who persistently engage. And that's, that's my qualifier for you. Paul gave the qualifier. He, this is persistent engagement in such sin and refuse to turn from it. Okay? So, Here's the question you have to ask yourself if, if this is hitting home with you, if you're struggling with any of this. Um, I want you to understand at what point 
are you certain that you have not crossed the line? At what point do you feel, do you know where the line is? And where can you find it objectively in the scripture that you have not crossed the line? Because if you cross the line, you prove yourself lost. You were never a believer. And so you have to decide, well, where is it? And he's talking about persistent unrepentance. Persisting, persisting in this with unrepentance, not turning from it, not calling out to the Lord to, to uh, renounce it, to reject it, and to turn away from it, okay? So we all have been guilty of one or more things that, keep us, that can keep us out of the kingdom of heaven. All of us have, every one of us. But by God's grace, anyone can receive forgiveness. And that's how I want to end this. You can receive forgiveness. But you're not going to receive forgiveness giving up these things. You're going to receive forgiveness by giving yourself over to Jesus Christ. That's the thing. And then the giving up comes later. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, the Bible says. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If you're willing to practice such sins, to give up, excuse me, if you're willing to give up such sins, Turn to Christ, and you can have your sins washed away. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word. It's, it's kind of hard. It's, it's tough. Um, this, we, we all know people that we care about that struggle with these things. But, Father, if, I pray if anyone listening to this message is struggling with it, they would know there is hope and uh, that they can turn to Christ and they can be washed. The passage is 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. This is your promise. You were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I pray, Father, that they may move into this and may know, Lord, that they can overcome not only their flesh, but they can walk in the Spirit and walk in the peace of knowing you. We love you and we thank you. We thank you for this time together. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. God bless you and have a great night.